last question. Where can I get a really cool avatar? Like the one you have of yourself. Where did you get it? And can you give me a So 
organizers down there, they raise money for several uh, nonprofit organizations in New Jersey uh, and have been doing it for years and do it voluntarily. You know, I'm sure you know that they don't get a whole lot of academic credit for this stuff, but they're in a whole, I mean, just jump in feet first and let's get done. Let's yeah, get done. Yeah, it's like you know, Stillman has continued that trend of kind of leading it at the tip of the spear. So you love technology and you love leadership. And I know you're passionate about helping those leaders navigate their professional journey. What you call an era of exponential change driven by digital transformation. So what should today's young leaders be ready for? Being on top of their game. And this is a great challenge for those of the generations ahead of them. It's no secret that many people really don't understand the digital world that are above, say, the age of 40. And it's not an age question, it's an experience question. This, this, this was just not there when we came up. And it's, it, it changes so quickly. You know, the leadership students and the various things that they do, every year I introduce them to a new technology or a new platform. Most of those platforms disappear within 12 to 24 months. So they've learned how to use it, and now it's gone. But the experience inevitably ends up being blended into something else. You know, so Google Wave was hot back in the late aughts, and now, you know, that idea has morphed into something called Slack, which is dominating spaces in the corporations. And not just the business world. Exactly right. And, you know, it has become a preferred platform for con and collaboration. So when we first introduced that to the leadership students in 2015, the next round of internships that fall and spring of 16 discovered that they knew how to use Slack and they would go out to their internship and the, and the employer would discover you actually know this. And guess what? They'd start teaching everybody else. And, and then in the process of teaching the broader community how to use the platform, they were learning an enormous amount about how that company operated and, and, and how to value Exactly right. And they could do that from the day they walked in the door. I know you said it's not necessarily an age thing, it's an experience thing. You know, I'm a, a 10-year-old daughter right now, and so Gen Z folks coming through the ranks now are going to be more digital natives than you or I ever were. And so if they have that advantage in this era of digital transformation, what do you think young leaders are lacking then. I think part of what we're doing is working with these students on developing their own personal vision for themselves and where they want to go. And in reality, and you know, we're all walking around with a supercomputer in our pocket. And, and so my experience with my undergrads is that they, they came out of high school, but they really never learned how to use the technology to advance their interests. You know, they, uh, they're not quite sure how to integrate it into what they do and how they want to get there. And, and I think that's the great challenge when I talk about it in terms of fluency, it begins to resonate with them. You know, it, we've got the three R's writing, reading, and arithmetic. Well, now we need a third one that's digital, a fourth one that's digital. I, you know, the reality is that very sorry, this is our daughter. I know that, and, and I'm, I'm an outlier. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I'd love to be able to influence that, but I can't come up with that word. And, you know, the reality is that this is an integrated part of their existence, and it's not going to go away. Stages of the very early stages. You know, artificial general intelligence is a long way off, but uh, and, and we're not going to have a robot that's going to replace you, at least not quite yet. But the reality of the situation is that more and more, the, the, the person who can integrate that understands it and can make it work in the context of whatever they are involved with is the person who's going to be a success. And that requires you, you know, to the extent that we put them students into experiences, you know, it's a very experiential program, as I'm sure Michael 
problem and you say, okay, now, what do I need? How do I fix this? What's the, what's the problem first? But then it's, okay, let me Google that. You get 28 million hits on the answer to that question. How do you work your way through all that information? And you say, how do I manage my email? And I think that's what we have to teach here. That's what we try to develop in our students is that judgment, the perspective that says that really is a credible answer. And more importantly, you know, what's, what's the question? I will frequently in my classes, I'll turn the question over to the students in the class. You know, I'll call on a couple of people to do the case, and then the students, the rest of their classmates, are the ones that are doing the Q&A. So, which they're, they don't know what to do with that. Sure, that's not what they've ever done before. Right. And, you know, with our leadership students, we do the number one has no credit, no great experiences is the full year of ideas and trends as sophomores. And essentially what Michael and I do is walk in the first day and we give them a deliverable. So they do digital literacy or AI this year. They're working on the future of work because of the implications of what technology is doing to the, to the future of work. So what is a deliverable in that situation? Well, it would, in, in each one of those cases, effectively what they're doing is a deep dive into that particular topic over the course of essentially the period between September and April. And they have to produce a report. The deliverable is a report to the Leadership Advisory Council. You know, I'll refer back to Michael because I'm sure he, he described that quite well. C-suite executives, lots of them, who meet several times a year. And in the April meeting, we have a bunch of student presentations and reports. One of them is the project of, of ideas and trends. And essentially what we do is we, we put them on a new platform. We give them something they're not comfortable with, that they're not used to. Every year, the teams have decided to build a video from scratch, which, you know, occasionally you'll have a student at 20 or 25 that has some, some videography skills. You're frequently no, and they've got to learn how to do that as well. And so over the course of that period of six months, they're learning a lot of stuff. That's a technical term. And, and essentially, Michael and I will provide them with guidance if it's absolutely necessary. But, you know, if you think about the way that we have educated our students from the earliest days, they come in, we give them a syllabus, we tell them exactly what to do, we assign them top readings, whatever, we tell them how, what they have to do to get an A, B, whatever. There's almost no independent, how do I do this? So by the time they come in as sophomores, leadership students have had a couple opportunities to do that as freshmen. But this is the big one. This is 20-plus type A leader personalities. Yep. And, and one of the things that they learn, which is critical, is that leading doesn't always mean you're the guy out front that's being shot at. It's frequently how do you make the work work. And so, effectively, this is the first time they've ever had the responsibility for a major project, a major Actually, from start to finish, pull a thing together. What questions? What questions do I have to ask about the future of work? Yeah, right. It's interesting because in that scenario, we're trying to you know, steal some of your good ideas for our freshmen, but there's a lot of opportunities for this in their case. Peer leadership is probably one of the most difficult types of leadership types to employ, and the fact that you that you provide a platform for them to present in front of CEOs. You know, a new question. I, I'm interested in talking to some of those CEOs on the advisory council because I bet you learning is going both ways, right? Because seeing the future of work through the prism of an 18-year-old uh, can probably be a little eye-opening to others. So we had Michael Weiner on as one of our top players, first podcast 
podcast. And so, your opinion, what do you think is, like, if you were going to boil down the secret of success for the leadership program you guys have built for these business students, what would that be? I think the culture of the program is caring. I think this is so that you take Yeah. 
courses. What was the influential book about leadership that you would recommend to students? I have, I've listened to some of your podcasts, and I can also also want to give you one that I'm really going to go out here on, and another, I'm going to give you a couple more. Um, Innovator's Dilemma by Clint Christensen, one that I first read it back in the mid to late 90s, and um, it's really what put me on the track to pay attention to what we now call digital transformation. I think, especially now, Christensen's work has to inform every leader's perspective, both professionally and personally. I think if you take the lessons of the innovator's dilemma and apply them to your own personal experience and your professional experience, I think our students are going to be disrupted on a regular basis, and if they don't see it coming, they're going to get caught short. So I think Christensen's work is, it, it, it wasn't specific to that, but it's a must-read. The second one is a, is a really fun book, I think, is it's Finding Infinite Games. I heard of it about two years ago, I guess, and essentially kind of changed cars. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's, it, he, he makes the argument that finite games are what we do every day. So if you play checkers with me, there's a winner or a loser, and there are games that are built to, to be finished. Other games are infinite games. They were never intended to end. So if you think about, let's, let's take our, our government, for instance. The Congress, the, the Republic, was designed not to end. So if there's not a compromise, if there's not give and take, the game ends. And so we've now got 200-plus years' experience with watching how our Republic doesn't end because the players want the game to continue. And when you look at that in the context of and what our students' experience is going to be going forward. I think that's a very important concept. Yeah, you know, and, it, and not that a little complicated sometimes, but run with it and you'll get there. And then now my last one is the fourth industrial revolution. And there's, there's two versions. There's one that describes that, and, this, and the second is shaping. And I would suggest the shaping, the fourth industrial revolution, Klaus Schwab, at least the head of the, of the World Economic Forum. And he describes, I don't agree with all of it, but he describes to great advantage, I think, the forces that are transforming our culture, our social, our, our political, our economic, that our student leaders are going to have to face. And I think that's that's really critical. I haven't heard that book. It sounds like an excellent read. Three, three great options for our students. I have more if you want, but I'll, I'll sure you can. But anybody our students should be following on social media when it comes to digital transformation or the to follow. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm a, a really big fan of not actually following the leader and only the leader. I like to follow, well, I like to follow the people who are, who are, who are challenging the leaders. You know, it, it, it's really easy, and, and reality is this. If you're a political leader, you have a certain set of challenges. Uh, you don't get reelected if you don't deliver on some things. If you're a business leader, if you don't bump that stock price, you're going to have a problem. All of them have a set of challenges that are defined by whatever role they're in. And frequently, you know, that's what defines them and defines their message. I like to watch the folks that challenge that. You know, when Mark Zuckerberg, you know, apologizes for, I don't know, the 453rd time for invading our privacy and I'll do better next time. Okay, so that's the that's the business leader who's what's he want? He wants more users because that makes him more money. He needs our data, he needs to invade our privacy so that he can be successful. Okay. Well I want to listen to 
possibly with the ones that are sitting I'm sorry, but you just told me 2 plus 2 equals 11,412. Yeah. That doesn't work. Why are you doing that? And then dig into the reasons, because you're going to learn a lot about leadership then. Love it. Last question. Where can I get a really cool avatar like the one you have for yourself? Where did you get it, and can you give me a secret? Well, I'll tell you what. One of my students did that for me several years ago. Awesome. Uh, he was an art major, and for whatever reason, ended up in my legal foundations class. And it took him quite a while to connect with why he was there, because he's an art guy. And what am I doing in a course that's talking about contracts and antitrust and intellectual property? And, and he really was not performing all that well, so we will not discuss who it was, but he was struggling with it. And I called him in, as I do with all my students who are having those issues, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I just, I mean,
website where all my academic stuff is, is shadowweb.net. And that's where my students go to figure out what they're about to get into trouble for. Awesome. Jack, can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Marvelous. This was really fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Good luck with